Doing okay? You had a good time so far? Okay, I'm gonna put a stop to that. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Help From The Line, where we get real about mental health and emergency services. We're glad you're here with us. Let's jump into the conversation. What's up, guys? We are back for another episode of Help From The Line. And this week on the show, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about that we haven't necessarily discussed, it's been, you know, kind of a topic in a lot of the episodes that we've done. And it's one of the things that's always there, especially when we talk about mental health, you know, it's always a factor in what's going on. And this week I want to talk about the baggage we carry. You know, so this is one of the things that goes along with that stigma that we're trying to change and changing the status quo is some of the things that we do hold on to after every call, after every shift, after every run, especially when it comes down to some of the worst things that we see while we're on the job. So when we talk about baggage, we talk about all the the mental things that we then bury inside ourselves, and we carry around on a day-to-day basis, whether we cognitively know that we are doing it or not. These are the things that, especially when it comes down to mental health, that are big influences and factors of what's going on with our mental health status. So when we talk about the accumulation of baggage, you know, what causes us to have this baggage that we carry around. And there's a lot of factors that do go into it. And some of the factors that, you know, we see that do go into this are, well, I mean, how many years did you spend on the job? How many years do you have into the job? This is one of the largest things that affects the baggage that we carry because the longer that you have on the job, the more calls that you have gone on there's a higher instance of you going on more traumatic calls as the number of years that you've been on increases. And then, you know, there's other things that also go along with this that do create some baggage more so than just the calls that we go on. And that is the problems that we face in a day-to-day basis, whether it be in the firehouse or out of the firehouse, they all create baggage for us. And especially as they relate back to runs that we've gone on or things that have happened in our personal life. And then we throw in the accumulation of stuff from the firehouse, from guys that are there, from guys that are having problems themselves that we take, you know, maybe that personal interest in. That was one of the big things when I was a captain that I always like to do. I've talked about it in quite a few other episodes where, you know, I used to sit down with the guys in the morning and and talk to them about what they had going on in their personal life. And it wasn't a thing to pry into their personal life. You know, it wasn't me trying to get into their personal life, anything like that. What it was, was me making sure that mentally they were ready for whatever we might face that day while on the job. 
Because if they weren't mentally prepared because they were preoccupied at some, you know, because of something that was going on at home, this could later down the road that day on that shift create problems for us. If we're on a call that this person is so preoccupied by what they have going on at home that they stop paying attention to things that are going on during a med run or during an accident scene, you know, or any other type of emergency scene that we were going on, this then opens the doorway for potentially hazardous situations to escalate and become potentially fatal situations. Let's go to that med run idea for a minute. You know, we always talk about in EMT school, we always talk to the students about their situational awareness. And this could really also go not only on med runs, but on any type of call that we go on. Situational awareness. If we are preoccupied by something that is going on outside of the firehouse, outside of our job for that day, outside of whatever we are doing, if we're preoccupied by a problem there, are we going to keep a focus on the situational awareness that we need while we're on that run if a potentially hazardous situation presents itself? The simple answer to this question is no. And there's been a lot of times that it's happened, I've seen it quite a few times, where you stop really paying attention to what's going on on the scene and what is actually happening on that scene can start to change. And I'm not talking about change in a good way. These are things that come out as being very odd. Uh, You know, there are different types of things that just the person's attitude, their body language, what's going on, the environment around you. And when we stop paying attention to what's going on, we open up the ability for us and our crews to end up possibly getting hurt or the situation becoming fatal. So when I was checking with these guys to see what was going on at home, it was it was never a prying attempt. It was me making sure that if we got ourselves into a situation that could become potentially hazardous, I knew that they were on their A game for that shift and they were going to be able to spot out these changes in the environment that they were on or in to do what was best for the team, you know, to know if you need to withdraw that team, to know if you need to take action. And that's what I always did. And there was a lot of times that, you know, people would come up to me like, hey, Cap, you know, I'm just having a really rough day. You know, I have some personal things going on. And that was never really an issue. And like we've talked about in previous shows, that was just a time where the rest of the crew then knew it, you know, from the very beginning of the shift that they needed to pick up some of the slack for that person so that we could get, you know, get through that shift, get through that call. And it also allowed us to then continually help that person throughout the day. Do you need anything? Can I help you with anything? And if they wanted to open up and ask your advice, or if they just needed to talk to somebody, then, 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 then that's what we were doing. So, you know, we, we not only carry this baggage from our home life, but our baggage from the job can be 
extremely cumbersome at times. So, you know, when we talk about these problems that have created baggage for us, you know, years of service, traumatic calls that we've been on, it's not necessarily that, you know, we pick up one bag at a time and we deal with it and we set it down and then we're bagless until the next call where something happens and we pick up another bag, but then we work through that. That's not the way that the culture of the fire department works. If it did work that way, none of us would be having this, you know, these mental health talks that we're having. It, just, it doesn't work this way. You know, and let's find a way for it to work that way, because if we're addressing incidents as they happen. And we can find a way for these people that once they've accumulated a bag. We help them through it, offload that one. And then, you know, we're back to that top-notch player until the next event happens. That's the ideal situation. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. So here's what actually happens. We start our careers in the fire service. At this point in time, we don't generally have that baggage. You know, these guys might have a little bit of baggage from home life or whatever they've gone through growing up, but let's put that to the side. We're talking right now about what happens on the job and what we get from the job. So, you know, you go on this first call, you go on this first traumatic call, and, you know, it doesn't really matter what the situation is because everyone's triggers are different. And I'm sure that at some point in time, you know, we can have a podcast episode on triggers, but right now, you know, we're talking about some baggage stuff. So, traumatic call. We have our first traumatic call, and at that point in time, you know, when we first go on that call, we don't really understand at that time the impact that that call is going to have on us. You know, this could be, uh, let's say it's a first DOA call. We've never been on this before. You know, you've talked about them in school, but you don't ever really know how they're going to play out. So you go on this first call, and something strikes you off on this call. You know, you go back to the station, you don't really think about it much. And you kind of glaze over it and move on. Two weeks from now. You're on another shift. Even though you don't really realize this, you still have this bag with you from this first traumatic call that you went on. Well, now you go on another traumatic call. Doesn't matter what it is. Once again, I guarantee you're going to kind of glaze over this call as it's happening, but you've just picked up and accumulated an additional bag of luggage. Now, take these take these bags that, that you know that that I'm calling them these bags of luggage that we're picking up one traumatic call at a time, even from calls that we don't necessarily think at that point in time are quote-unquote traumatic. You know, I'm not just talking about the trauma situations, but these are critical incidents that are traumatic to us, to our own mental health. And you're going to pick up one bag at a time, and it could be, once a shift, it could be once a month, 
It doesn't matter. But now let's jump 10 years down the line. When you're a 10-year veteran of that department and now you have collected 10 years worth of these luggage bags and you no longer know how to handle the stress from carrying these around. Because that is really the tradition that the fire service has established. We have spent so much time telling people, you know, there's always another call. Get back on the rig. Go do your job. You're going to be fine. That 10 years from now, you have someone that can't stand up to the weight of their luggage anymore. The baggage is too much. And that's when we see these mental health crises happen. So how do we start to change this from the very beginning of this, you know, of of this individual's career? First of all, in school, we take a little bit more of a straightforward approach to mental health in the fire service. And let them know that this stuff is going to happen. Because I'm telling you right now, in all the classes that I've been to, in all the classes that I've even taught, we don't hit mental health. You know, the instructor might say one or two words about what could possibly happen. You know, and of course, it's never to that instructor. The instructor doesn't want to ever put themselves out that way. The instructor never says, you know, hey, after this many years, I've had this problem. There's kind of just this mention of, hey, mental health is kind of a thing in the fire service now. And it's because all of us at this point in time, all of us are stepping forward to say, listen, I've had this happen. The system failed me. We need to change this. It's a hot topic right now. It's a big push. Unfortunately, the reality that we are living is even though there are those of us that are very outspoken about this that are trying to make the change, the fire service as a whole just hasn't adapted to this change yet. So, you know, we talk about how are we going to start changing this from day one. One, departments need to take a more active approach in the mental health of their people. You know, maybe we should be implementing those immediate debrief situations on, hey, this is your first type of run. Let's debrief this. Let's make sure that everything's okay. Let's make sure that you're okay with everything. And it might not even be that day that they realize they're having a problem with that. And we all understand that situation. And it's checking in on this person that has had this traumatic call. And, you know, when we do that, we're able to, you know, to help this person see that down the road they could potentially have a problem with this and that it's okay to speak out about it and and talk to the guys that were on the call with them, you know, and, and all of that. We've talked about debriefing. Go back to, you know, episode three or four, whatever it was, the debrief. We talk a lot about that. I'm sure we will hit it again. It's a big thing that we should all be doing and it, it's a great thing to do. So after 10 years of accumulating all of this baggage from all of these calls that we've been on, now let's add in that we also have the baggage from our personal lives to now throw in on top of that. This is becoming a very big load to carry. 
And that's when we have to start playing this balancing act of home life versus station life. Now, most of us are very open and honest with each other that are on shift together. That's how it always happens. That, that, that That's how we're able to open up about things that are going on. When you work with guys constantly, you then, you know, have the opportunity to talk to these guys about everything that's going on and you understand each other and it makes life in the firehouse easier. It makes dealing with this work-related baggage easier. When you can go to someone and talk to them that have been through the exact same instant that you have, you find a connection with these guys and things just do get easier and it's it's fantastic. You know, I got lucky that two of well really three of the the biggest people that I talk to about what is going on and I have a personal connection with them outside of the firehouse. So let's talk about these three people. My grandfather was the fire chief of the volunteer fire department that I work for. My father was a captain for many years, you know, grew up going through the ranks of the fire department when his dad was the chief, became a captain, was a captain for many years, stepped away from it for a while, came back after I got on the department. And my wife, on the same volunteer department, we, all three of us, now, where all three of us have our own experiences on the job. Because generally, you know, you have a lot of times where two different people do not always see the incident in the same perspective. But I have three people that understand the stresses that we see when we're on the job that I've been able to talk to throughout my career. This helps. This helps a lot. Now, we talk about the guys then that we're on shift with and how this stuff works with them. When we are able to go to these guys that we work alongside and talk with them about the instances and the incidents that we've worked together we are able to balance out the baggage that we're carrying and offload some of it. Now, let's talk about the real balancing act. That real balancing act happens between our home life and our work life. We are all bad at it. (laughs) I... You know, as much as we like to say that when we come home from work, we don't carry any of the stuff with us that happened at work. That's not true. We 100% carry 100% of what we go through at work home with us. We bring it in our front doors. We deal with it. Our wives deal with it. Our families deal with it. So right now we're going to tie a little bit of what was going on last week When we talk about family, we're going to start tying that into what's going on right now. We're going to start tying them into this baggage. 
because the balancing act that we somewhat think that we're good at, we are very bad at it. And it turns into us numbing ourselves down when we're at home because we think it helps and it doesn't. So, you know, we have a bad day at the fire department. We have a bad call. And let's say an hour after you get off that call, your spouse calls you at work. You know, you're going to be very short with them. You are very short with them. They know that something's going on, but you don't tell them what's actually going on. So, you know, umpteen hours later, you get off shift, you come home. Your spouse already knows that something's going on. Don't try to lie to them and tell them that nothing happened. And unfortunately, that is kind of the mentality that we get into. We come home from work and instead of then debriefing with the person that is closest to us, i.e. our spouses, we like to tell them, oh, the day was fine, nothing happened. And then what do you do next? You kick off that uniform if you didn't take it off at work. You sit down in your lazy boy. You turn on the TV and you allow your mind to be numbed for the next six or eight hours. And, you know, these these are things that all of us have done. All of us have been there many times. But who are we really hurting? I, we are hurting ourselves. We are hurting our family. These are really things that we need to be open with, you know, especially to our spouses. Because even though we think that they're not going to understand the job, now my situation is a little different, but I know that a lot of you guys are the same way where your spouse, you know, if you're a firefighter, your spouse is in EMS or your spouse is a nurse, you know, or they have something to do with medical or they themselves are a firefighter. We think we like to think that we're saving them somehow by not telling them what's going on, by not telling them what we went through that day, by not opening up to them. And unfortunately, we're not. We're doing us and them a huge disservice by not actually letting them know what happened. My situation, like I said, is a little bit different. My wife works in the exact same department that I do. If I'm there working a shift and we get a call, she knows what I'm going on the exact same time that I know what I'm going on. So even though I want to tell her, no, nothing happened, everything was fine, she has already seen the CAD notes. She has already seen, you know, what the dispatcher and the caller, you know, what the important notes were that came out. Now, yes, there's times that we get those calls that are dispatched as nothing and they turn out to be something huge. But after doing this for so long, doing this together for so long, I tell my spouse everything that happens. So. Don't try to hide this. Let it out. 
tell them what's going on because you think that they don't understand, but they know you and they know you better than you know you. And these people can help. They can help you offload some of that baggage and they can definitely help you with this balancing act. Now, on the flip side of this, there's also the balancing act of personal life at work. Being open with your shift, as we talked about a little bit ago, being open with your shift about what's going on at home. In case you're having an off day, helps everyone out on that shift. So there's nothing wrong with coming in in the morning, telling you know the guys that you're working with, you know, hey, I didn't get any sleep last night. You know, such and such happened. The baby was up all night crying. The kids didn't want to go to bed. I was preoccupied with schoolwork or whatever you have going on. Let them know, you know, even if there's something necessarily, you know, that's personal that you don't necessarily want to tell them. We're not asking you for full disclosure. We understand that there's things that go on in your personal life that you prefer to keep personal. That's completely fine. But, you know, make sure that you tell your crew, hey, I just have some things going on at home. I didn't sleep well last night. I'm not feeling the greatest today. You know, this, this, that, and the other is going on. And that that will be a huge help throughout your shift in, in, in them knowing your mind could, you know, very possibly be elsewhere. So then, you know, continuing on with the baggage we carry, we do have to overcome some obstacles with all of this. We're collecting this baggage throughout the years from call to call. We're, we're picking it up. You know, one of the things that we have to make sure that we do is we have to make sure that we're fighting the good fight. Because when when we no longer are and our stresses become too much and this baggage becomes, you know, way too heavy, we start to make very bad decisions. And... It doesn't happen necessarily right away. And, th- and that's a good thing. The thing is, though, that before we start making these these actions, before we start trying to relieve stress in detrimental ways, we need to be able to understand what we're going through and correct them accordingly. So, you know, we we talk about stages of stress. There's three stages of stress. You have the alarm stage. Kind of mild to moderate stress. You know, we can use coping skills to get through this. And pretty easily fixable. Then we get into kind of the resistance phase of stress, where... There's some physical symptoms and we start having difficulty coping with what's going on. So let's say your first year, we're kind of in the alarm phase. Maybe even your first five years, we're in that alarm phase 
our coping mechanisms are fine. We're able to definitely deal with the stress that we have, with the baggage that we're carrying. It's not too much. It's not too heavy. Then we're okay. Now, year two or year 10, and and this is going to be different for everybody. We get into that resistance and adaptation phase where, you know, we're we're, we're seeing some more physical symptoms. And we're trying to find some new stress relief because what we've been doing isn't working anymore. And our coping mechanisms are becoming more difficult to manage the stress that we're dealing with. And then, you know, stage three is exhaustion. You know, our coping skills are failing. We have a ton of increased symptoms. And our resources are starting to break down. You know, what do we do at this point? First of all, we don't want to hit the exhaustion phase. If we've hit the exhaustion phase, this is like severe panic stress. We have no idea what to do with our lives. We don't know which way's up. Our stress is way too much. The baggage is too heavy. We're being crushed by the weight of the world. We're being crushed by the weight of all of the traumatic calls that we've been on. And we just don't know what to do anymore. We don't want to get to that phase. Unfortunately, we go back to the fire service and where, where things have kind of fallen apart and fallen through the cracks in the fire service We like to ignore people that are in the alarm phase. We like to ignore them when they're in the resistance phase. And we don't realize that they're having any type of mental health crisis until they're in the exhaustion phase. Why is this? This goes back to maybe the department doesn't have a peer support group. Maybe we have missed out on some policy stuff and some organization set up stuff that would deal with this, but we don't have it. And this is where, you know, we go back to, you know, setting up procedures that that deal with these stressful instants that we set up peer support groups that we bring in, you know, counselors a couple times a year, or we bring in counselors after these incident calls. And this starts to help people stay away from the exhaustion phase because as these calls happen, we can deal with them more readily, faster, in a more congruent manner, in a fluent manner, and... The stress then is relieved quicker. This bag that we picked up from this one call can be set down before the next one. Or we can, you know, learn some coping skills about this one call so that we can offload some of the weight from this bag before we accumulate the next one. And these are the things that are going to provide firefighters, EMS workers, nurses, healthcare providers, doctors, anyone that is in you know the the 
public service realm, police officers. This is what's going to help them, you know, fulfill that 30-year career. You know, without hitting 10 years and saying, I'm done. Because I can't handle what's going on anymore. Because when we get to the exhaustion phase, guys, we do, we do, we can't. We are in such a bad way when we hit that exhaustion phase that where, where do we go next? And there's really not anywhere to go next. Coping skills are what are going to help us get through this. We got to have the ability, though, to have these resources available to us through our employer, through our department that help us with these things along the way and not just from the department aspect. Have these things available in your home life. Like I said, don't hide anything from your spouse. First of all, as a married man, don't hide anything from your wife. She'll know and it it doesn't go well when you try to hide stuff from her. I, I can tell you that right now. I don't know how many times I've walked through the door and my wife goes, what's wrong? And I try to brush it off with the nothing, I'm fine. And I get the bullshit, sit down, we're talking. Because she knows that I had a bad day at work. Yes, she saw the calls go out. But that's only while I'm at the you know part-time volunteer firehouse that we both work for. When I was working in transport, she didn't know what we were going on, but she still knew 100% of the time when I got home that I had a bad night that night. When I was a full-time guy, she didn't know then what was going on, you know, when I was when I was full-time. She had no idea. I must have come home looking like shit because every time she knew, then I was home at seven o'clock in the morning. I worked nights. Unfortunately, at that job, we did so much stuff that we worked 12-hour shifts. I would come home at 7 o'clock in the morning. And she knew right away. Hell, half the time, I don't even think she actually looked at me. She knew. I think there was one morning that I came home, I jumped in the shower. She was still in bed. It was, you know, it was like a Sunday morning. And... You know, I, I crawled in bed with her. I didn't even know that she was awake. I, I crawled in bed and she goes, shitty night. Uh, yeah. How'd you know? I'm your wife. I always know. But she is always my first lifeline when stressful situations happen. She is my peer support group. She knows I talk it out with her and she even gives me feedback. Well, you know, maybe you should do this. You know, maybe you should take the next shift off. You know, hey, let's let's go on a hike. But, you know, let's get your mind off this stuff. And I can't be, you know, any more grateful or thankful to my wife for, you know, for us getting through this journey together, first of all. For her being with me 100% of the way through, you know, my worst mental health crisis. 
and, and still here today to, to deal with all my bullshit. So we talk about, you know, this exhaustion phase. Well, what is this? What is this? This is that draining feeling that you just don't want to, you don't, you don't know what you want to do. You're just exhausted. You're upset. You're angry. You want to quit your job. What do you do? Take a step back. That's one of the biggest piece of advices that I, you know, that of advice that I can give you. If you have hit this spot that, you know, you're just, you're exhausted. The stress is too much. You've picked up too much baggage. Take a step back. Find someone that can help you offload this baggage. Go talk to somebody. Guys, listen. I feel that at this point in time, we have hit a a spot, you know, with this whole topic. That going and talking to a counselor or, you know, getting help with depression or anxiety, you know, anything that, that has been caused by the job and the things that we've gone through is no longer this taboo situation. You know, I, I think that up until this point, if you were put on an antidepressant med, everyone was just, oh, they got to be crazy. And it's it just, it's not that way anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that there's still people that think that, but those opinions anymore just don't matter. When we have hit this spot that mental health is so prevalent in the career that we work, We should be reaching out with open arms, you know, extended arms, open palms to help these individuals, to help these people that we call brother and we call sister. And if you're not, are are you really part of the brotherhood? I don't care if you're full-time, volunteer, part-time, you work 10 part-time fire jobs, transport EMS, private EMS, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we still see the same type of calls. We still deal with the same stresses. We still pick up the same baggage. And we all need to be here to help each other out. Because when you hit the exhaustion phase and you have that draining feeling setting in and you're you know you you begin down this road of upset about everything and then you get angry about everything where do you go from there at that point in time if you can't get the help that you need you have to really sit down and seriously contemplate with yourself should i continue in this career or should i go somewhere else But I'm telling you right now, that doesn't have to be a question that you have to face if you reach out for the help that you need. And if we provide our peers with that support they need, this no longer has to be a question. And and that, that is something that we, you know, owe to one another. If someone has gone through this, if someone has accumulated too much baggage, we need to help them offload it. So at the end of our shift, what happens to that baggage? 
We bring it home. As much as we like to say we leave it on our front porch, it doesn't happen. We bring it home. That's not 100% of the time a bad thing. Because when you're home and you're in the comfort of your own home, you are a little more free to, you know, explore within your own head what happened. The only thing that I have to say is that if you're doing that, if you're doing the self-reflection after your shift at home, you, you can't be negative on yourself about what happened, you know, during that that run or that traumatic event, that traumatic call. You always have to do that constructive criticism on yourself from a little bit of a positive standpoint, or you're just going to beat yourself up. Hey, I did this well. I did this well. I did this well. Is there anything that I can that I could change? If that answer right there is no, there is nothing that you could change in this. You couldn't change the outcome no matter what. There isn't anything that you could do better. This isn't a luggage bag that you should hold on to. I've been there. You know, the biggest part of the biggest piece of luggage that I held on to, there was 100% nothing that I could have done to change the outcome, to change what happened. But, but I still held on to it. I'm telling you guys right now. If that, if those answers are no, you couldn't do anything better. You couldn't have changed the outcome. You wouldn't have changed anything that you did. Let go of it. Don't blame yourself for anything that happened. Be happy with what you did and move on. Sometimes offloading the baggage that we have is truly as easy as that. Remember, if there's nothing that you could have changed, then there's no sense in beating yourself up about it. If there is something that you could change, then use it as a learning experience. Okay, I should have done this differently. Here's what I should have done. The hindsight's always 2020. And when we go back and do that, we need to use that 2020 vision to better ourselves. And that's as simple as it is. If you can learn from something that, you know, should have been done differently, once again, there's no real sense in holding on to that baggage because you learned a lesson from it. You're not going to do that again. And, and now we move on. Sometimes that's just what we have to do. The taboo of mental health in the fire department and the fire service and healthcare and emergency services, it needs to go. It needs to go away. Because right now, we got to get real with mental health. We have to take the steps to help each other fix these problems. And we have to be the support group for one another. I thank you guys for listening to another episode. Have a good night.